This is Data Basement. Hello and welcome to today's episode. I'm happy today to announce that we're joined by Jean-Georges Perrin, and he is a solution architect and a professional in the analytics space that is heavily involved with the Spark community, uh, an IVM champion. And he uh, has over 20 years of experience in the information technology in general. So welcome, John, how are you? Hey, thank you, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm doing great, thank you, Daniel, for having me. I'm excited tonight. Before we get started and we delve right into it, one of the things we like to do is to learn more about our, our guests that come on the show. So why don't we get started learning a little bit more about your background and basically as far back as you want to go, how did you start your career and, and where you ended today? Well, so, so if you want to go as far as I want, and the thing is usually, well, not usually, but sometimes I like to start when I was 12. So that was back in 1983 when I got my first computer. Uh, it, was, it was an Atari and um, 800XL. I still remember it pretty, pretty well. And that's how the, you know, this, this love and passion relationship started. And uh, I like to come back to one of my first idea of making a project was that was just a year after I had my computer and I wanted to be able to use and it's really on the topic of those days I wanted to help to use a computer for law enforcement so to help people you know notify police when someone was 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 uh, going through a red traffic light or when people were speeding or trying to collect this data and and help making the because it's not about it's not about punishing. It was about making the world a bit more secure, and so that was '83, and uh, it was '83, '84, and it was just kind of crazy because at that time you could not imagine the world of IoT, the world of collecting this massive amount of data. It was the first idea of a big data project I had. So so that's that's how far back we 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 could go. I was in I was in middle school at that time, so really you know don't have any clue about a lot of things in the world. Old, not saying that I have now, but after that, so it kind of drove me towards more IT and the passion for, for both software and, and data. And uh, so after that, you know, if you fast forward after college, um, I, I had a small phase where I didn't know whether I wanted to do, to be more on the hardware side of things or more on the software side of things. And after, you know, balancing it back, going to see both things, I kind of stated to be in, so in the software world. And um, that's where I've been for like almost 25 years now. And it's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. Things that we were not thinking were possible like a few years back are completely changed now. I think the dynamic around cloud computing and distributed com computing has completely changed the way we actually think about I I both software and data and that's that's really exciting places it's a very very interesting story about what you consider at the time to be a, a big data problem and a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is related to analyzing and processing big data and trying to make sense of it so before we get into any more detail about spark which is going to be the topic of, of today's podcast would you be able to just give us an overview of what do you think are the trends that kind of drove the industry 
and the, the overall technology sector into being able and wanting to process this vast amounts of data and what were kind of like the challenges that uh, the industry was facing leading up to these technologies. So as you stated, I'm, I'm now a, an architect for Advanced Auto Parts and Advanced Auto Parts is in the midst of this digital transformation. And, and what you can understand from that is mature industry, whether in retail like, like Advanced or, or other companies, they have a need to change where the, the way they do business, okay? And this need is, is motivated by newcomers. Like for example, the biggest competitor of all retailers is really Amazon. And Amazon started like a little bit more like more than 20 years ago, but they started with a, with a, with a blank slate. And they could actually do and build the system and starting this constant evolution of their platform. When you think about more traditional, more traditional companies, and uh, a company like Advanced Auto Parts uh, where was created in the early 20th century, so you know you can we can see that it is a bit different in in the pace, and in in the in the mentality. Not saying it's bad or 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 good. Okay, so I think it's it's just a little bit different than what you would expect from a, a pure online player like Amazon. So you've got to understand about this technology and. So I think one of the challenge, and I'm really, really completely convinced of that, is going towards more and more real time, okay? And, uh, and bringing all those processes that were naturally more like batch processes or overnight batch processes or data transfer or data pipelines, which take a lot of time, trying to migrate that towards more and more real time. And, and you see that the effect and, and the, the reason is not just, oh, because we just want to do it, okay? The reason is really because your consumers, your customers are really demanding that. They, and and you, you can probably relate that as you want something like, hey, you've got your loyalty points, you just buy something, you want to see your loyalty points on your phone right away. You don't want to wait three months to see the purchase marked as, hey, you've got those points, okay? As an example, or when you want to return something and you return something, you want you want your money back right away, okay? And and on, and on all these things. So so all that all that makes a lot of sense uh, uh, to 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 build a better customer experience. And, and and I think that's what's driving the industry, what's driving data, what's driving the software to enable this this kind of data processing. Got it. Yeah. And and we actually in our previous episode we had a. Uh, Thomas, who was from, from Solace, is a company uh, that it works on delivering events and, and allowing uh, enterprises to consume data in event formats, which allows uh, for more real-time type of processing. So I think this is actually a great segue to the topic of today uh, that we're going to spend uh, more time on, and that is the, the way that we can process real-time data and why it's important to process real-time data. So you're very experienced with a technology called uh, Spark, which is a project from the Apache Foundation, now Apache Spark. And uh, could you, for the listeners that are not familiar with this technology, just give a, a brief overview of what is it and why is it helpful? So Apache Spark uh, was, is a fairly mature project, okay? So it's not like some things that just popped like uh, uh, overnight uh, a couple of months ago. So Spark actually is about six years old now. And they defy, when you, when you go to the, 
to the uh, Apache Spark web page, they define themselves as a framework for, for distributed processing. And I, I, I don't like this definition too much. I have a, I have a good friend of mine, uh, Rob Thomas, uh, general manager at IBM, who defines Spark as an analytics operating system. And I, I like this definition because it, it's really about you being an application developer and be able to scale your applications at, at, a, at, a, at a larger scale without even bothering about the underlying layer, okay? When you build an application, you're talking, your application is talking to the operating system. It leverage the operating system being an abstraction of the hardware itself, okay? So, so you don't have to recode. You want to, send a, uh, you want to send a message via network. You don't have to recode the entire stack of the message before you send your message. So it's, it's exactly the same for me when I, I consider Spark. You want to build an application. You really need a lot of power, a lot of uh, transforming data transformation power for, for your application but you don't want to build an application that is going to manage the network communication between multiple nodes, okay? Because that's, that's not who you are. You're an, you're an application developer. So you need someone, something that can actually help you do that. And, and that's when you think about that, this layer makes complete sense to be doing by something else. And, that's, and I think this something else is really Apache Spark. And that's how I see it. That's how I define it. And the sooner, when I when I when I train uh, engineers, the sooner they they get to that point, the the sooner they they start thinking in that way, and the sooner they're more efficient. So, and, I, and it's not mine; it's Rob's. So you know, I'm not I'm not even taking credit for it. Got it. Yeah, I I, I like that definition, and and it definitely uh, it's in line with well, with business, right? So a lot yeah. of times when a new technology is being implemented, uh, it is implemented for the wrong reasons. Like you alluded to earlier, sometimes things are just done because they're shiny and cool. But the majority of businesses want to be able to implement something that is uh, usable right away and for something that you are able to, to drive a true business problem. And having software that facilitates the process of building those applications, as you described, is definitely key. So you did bring up uh, an interesting point, which was uh, the data and, and managing the data. So could we spend a little bit of time understanding how uh, Apache Spark manages data and why this is important? One funny thing about, you know, so, so I could say that based on what I said before, that the first big data project I started was in 84. But really, the thing is, I didn't think I was doing any big data until a few years ago. And like before I started doing with Spark, big data was a lot of uh, the, the synonym was really synonym to Hadoop for a long time. Okay, so and and the thing is, oh, you had a big data project. You needed to know uh, to, you needed to know anything about uh, ever or anything or everything about Hadoop, which is which is a huge uh, framework to understand and learn. And I think that also so and, and actually I realized that you know the, the the synonymity, if I can say, of of of. Uh, Hadoop with big data was actually wrong. I've been doing I've been doing things with Elasticsearch in the past, like in back in two thousand eight, 
nine, I think, Elasticsearch and, and Solar before and Lucene before. So they were, we, we were doing things at scale um, with hybrid settings of databases that, that, would, that would actually be, be big data, okay? So, so big data is not, is not directly linked to, um, to, a, to, a, to a technology. Big data is more like a, a business concept of manipulating data uh, um, at, at scale. Why I was mentioning that is, is really, um, I, think, I think that Spark is, is, uh, is a next evolution in that. I'm not saying it's the last evolution, it's a next evolution in, in, this, in, this, in this scalability. And, and you don't need to, to learn um, all the previous, you know, you don't need to learn all the previous stack to understand what to, 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 to also uh, get, uh, uh, get friendly with, with, with Spark and start deploying application and building applications with Spark. Okay, so, so, and, and I think that's, that's a really a very important thing to remember as well when you, when you start your, your journey with, with Apache Spark. Yeah, so one of the challenges that a lot of companies have when using something like Hadoop, and I think we made a brief mention of the technology in, in the first episode that we had, was about the dependencies. And I think you made a, a point there where you are describing that perhaps some technologies like Hadoop may require a lot of different components uh, to be installed and configured and maintained. And a lot of things that don't necessarily add value uh, to the organization if, if a developer is building them. So it sounds like the approach is that it abstracts a lot of that complexity and it doesn't require uh, the, the developer to have deep knowledge of those, let's say, uh, low level resource management and things of that nature. So you, you are totally right, Daniel. You're, 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 you're nailing the point here. The, um, you, you can even say like one of the key you know, Hadoop was, was really, and I'm not trying to oppose Hadoop, they have different roles, but Hadoop was really a, a successful implementation of the MapReduce algorithm. But understanding MapReduce is not an, is, it's not a trivial task. And if you say, if you, if you go to see your developers and say, hey, you've got to map first things first, and then when you've mapped things, you can reduce them. It's, it's not completely trivial to think like that. And you may actually be, you know, it might be too low level. Spark exa exactly abstract this thing. So even if you do SQL, uh, because you've got a SQL interpreter and or any other operation through through the data frame API, you you abstract you abstract this difficulty, okay? And yeah, under under the under the cover deep after the optimization, there might be some MapReduce operation doing, but it's not you have you don't have you as a developer to understand how it works to to make it work. Yeah, got it. Yeah, and the the other from from my experience in in finance, and I, I was in advertising technology for a little while too. Um, there was, and now in compliance, there's the need for actually doing a, a hybrid analytics approach in terms of the data that you're analyzing. So that means that yes, you have to do real time data analysis for some use cases, but you also have to do historical or batch type of processing because right. maybe the data source is not available in real time for, for some instances or some data sources. So could you explain how uh, 
it is possible in Apache Spark to achieve this hybrid processing approach of like real time and historical or, or slower data, let's call it. Well, so one of, well, Spark has a lot of, of, um, of strong, strong and positive points, but one, one I, I really like, and uh, it's, it's kind of almost a quarter of the book, is about data ingestion. So the, the, the overall process, if, if you think about the overall processes, you take the data, you put it in, into, in Spark, you start transformation, your data transformation, basically your analytics process, and then you do something with the data, like putting it in another database, sending an email, whatever, okay? But this, you've got this basic operation. If, if you look specifically at the ingestion, you, and in, in your scenario, you can have multiple sources of data flowing into Spark. You can have data that are stored on files, like CSV files, JSON files, XML, whatever. You can have data that is flowing from databases, so you can directly uh, get the data uh, from a database. Uh, or you can have streaming also. So, so, and you can combine all these uh, this, um, this, this data sources together to do your analytics, okay? So you could have uh, data being present in, in, in memory in Spark, which is your reference data, and you can have your stream of data, okay, that, that is coming, and then you can actually analyze by window or um, as it flows through, through, through the, through the engine and then you can you can your your analytics at this point so so spark itself is completely almost completely agnostic to the type of data that is coming in okay so and and, and you as a developer once more because of the of the powerful data frame api you you will be abstracted from that so when once once data is in the system with with a minor subtleties with with streaming, but once the data is in the system, whatever the source of data is not going to pollute you at your application development points. So if if I would say if I would compare that to traditional Java development, where I want to analyze something that is coming from a CSV file, for example, and a JDBC file, a, JD, uh, a database which you access via JDBC, when you import the data in your application, the issue you will be facing is that you have one set of APIs for the CSV file and one set of APIs for, for, for the database, okay? So combining both, and I'm not even speaking about streaming in this situation, combining both would be kind of pretty difficult. So, and, and I'm not speaking about you know, on top of that scaling, if you want to scale, this is, this is another, another uh, difficulty there. So really having this, this, this park uh, layer will abstract you from that and making your, your job a lot more, a lot easier as well. So, and, and, and yeah, and I speak a lot about Java, but, but it's, it's worth mentioning that Apache Spark uh, is written in Scala. Um, so, which Scala is like Java, it's a, it's a language which is relying on a, on a Java virtual machine. Uh, but you also can address, you can address Spark with Python or as well. So it means that it's really pretty rich uh, as, a, as a potential developer base. There's a lot of different interfaces and Python, as you mentioned, is one of the more popular uh, languages now. Yeah. Uh, that is 
gaining and keeps gaining steam. But I, I wanted to spend a little bit of time. So you brought up uh, your book and I wanted to discuss in a little bit more detail. So could you try to summarize what was the motivation for writing your book and, and, and why do you think it's important? What, 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 what do you explain? What are some of the key techniques or takeaways on if you're getting started uh, with Spark, uh, lessons learned that you should start with? So, so a couple of motivation points for me to, to start a book on, on Spark. When I was starting uh, to develop using, using Spark, a lot of the resources I, was, I found on the internet were mainly for Scala developers. And, 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 and without saying any bad thing about Scala, well, there's a chapter, in the, there's an appendix in, this, in, in the book saying what I think about Scala. So, but, uh, but without any bad mousing on Scala, I think it's not as popular as Java is in the enterprise space. So I said, okay, well, we really need to, f we really need to approach the, this Java angle to, 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 to the usage of, of Spark for, for the developer. It's not, I'm not saying it's more difficult or it's not supported. I think it's really a great match. Uh, Java and Spark is a really great match. And, uh, and it came also from, from a personal experience. I was working for a company at that time where we, we had a bit of a trouble. We wanted to, uh, to ingest data in, in Spark and we only found example or documentation about about building a custom data source, a custom ingester in Scala. And I said, and, and so I, I just didn't want my, to train my team uh, to Scala before they could actually do that. You know, it, it, it didn't make sense to me to, to say, hey, I'm going to train those guys. Then they're going to be more valuable in the market. And what, will, what could happen is that just, just go away because, uh, you know, so, so there's this thing and, and the thing is training them. And then not that I don't want to train people, but I, I didn't want to train them just for this purpose. Okay, I, I, I didn't mind training them on more Spark, but it seems to be like a really a technology to, to, to learn Scala to just do this operation. So I, 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 I was, I was a bit, my motivation there was to be, try to be efficient and, but not efficient like in the short term, but more efficient like on the long term. And so we spent a little bit more time to, to digest and understand how we could actually do that in Java. And then that's, that was one kind of a tipping point where I realized that any, anything you wanted to be, to build with Spark could be done in Java. It was not always straightforward. Uh, it was not always the easiest way. But the thing is, you would have to, you could capitalize on your team's skills to to do that. And I think that was that was one of the key motivation for me to write this book. I started at that time. What I started is collecting a lot of examples, putting them all together. They're still in GitHub, still pretty much up to date. But then I think that I, I want to see. Uh, manning and say, hey, let, let's take all these things and put them together. And another, um, another, another, another example was uh, another key motivator was a lot of the book assumed you knew Hadoop, and and uh, and and I think that's that that was also a mistake because it's the same thing. It's raising the bar very high if you are, let's say you are a Java developer, okay? You are a Java developer, you know about JDBC, you know about uh, talking to relational database, you know about basic analytics, you know, you know to build a, a pipeline, a data pipeline with Java. If 
you had to go to Spark, you would have to learn in this, when I started the book, you, you would have to learn uh, understand, learn and understand what Hadoop is and MapReduce at some point. And you would have to, uh, to learn, start learning Scala. Uh, and so, so that, and that was, that was a little bit, um, I think that, that was also putting the bar a little bit too high. And it's, you know, it's kind of, it's good to have knowledge maybe to learn Hadoop and, and, and Scala, but it, for me, it was ancillary compared to the goal of the enterprise. The, the enterprise goal is to deliver software uh, that can be easily maintained by anyone in the company. So that's, that, that, was, that was one of the key motivators. Yeah, so, so that's good because it, you mentioned a, a few different things. So obviously when, when a company is trying to deploy any technology and trying to maintain it, uh, the hiring, it, it's, a, it's a key aspect of, of that process and being able to not have to hire uh, specialized resources that may be more expensive, especially for smaller businesses or even enterprises of, that are not large. Uh, it's required it, in order to make the analytics process accessible to them, it has to require skills that are readily available or that you can find uh, more candidates with them. So, so, so that's great. And then well, the other thing you mentioned is that it avoids having to, uh, and, and in my experience early on when I first started in analytics a few years ago, uh, that, was, that seemed to be the perception too that, or that, that Spark required Hadoop to be in place. And then if you wanted to do real time, you would use Spark. Otherwise you would use like the other uh, components of the Hadoop ecosystem. But what we're seeing now is that obviously the, the, the Spark project has evolved and it, it doesn't require it all or it doesn't have dependencies. So it, it's still, uh, when, you, when you look at the underlying level at the implementation level, it uses some of the libraries that Hadoop provides. Okay, so they're not, you know, they're not enemies. They're, they're pretty friendly. But the big thing that the community has managed also to do is to streamline the process of using Spark to bundle it with the necessities, the required libraries, so you don't have to to install like thousands of libraries and things like that. So the dependencies, uh, the, the packaging, they, the community has built around that has, has been a really also a powerful tool easing the adoption of it. You can, you can literally start a, a Spark project in 15 minutes on, on your machine, where if you wanted to start something with Hadoop, you would need virtual machines, you would need a lot of software to, to just make it working locally, it might be not as easy as that. So yeah, the onboarding and the streamlining of, the, of your first project is, is really made it easy as well with, with Spark. Got it. Yeah, so it simplifies the configuration of a development environment, which means that, again, more accessible to, to people because you may not require a heavy, beefy machine to run a Hadoop cluster to have a dev environment as opposed to if, if you can have uh, less yep. dependencies and less things to maintain. So the other part I wanted to touch on uh, is on the, the the actual models that are available, the, the analytics, um, and and is is widely used at this point, I think in a lot of industries, the, the Spark project, but can you kind of highlight a few of, of the things that make uh, building machine learning models in Spark either easier or more powerful than other alternatives that are out there? I, I'm not defining myself as a machine learning expert. Um, I've, I've, I'm, 
I don't think I'm defining myself as an expert of anything actually, but, but, uh, um, but machine learning for me, and I may offend a lot of people, it's just another transformation. It's not, a, it's just another data transformation, um, which is more complex per se, which relies on, on models, which are not always completely understandable or transparent to users. And there's a lot of mathematics and bundled into that and because it's complex because it's more resource intensive that's another reason why you would need to go you know to to to, to be able to scale okay so there, there's this this last few years with with everybody going oh we need to do ai we need to do uh, and before before ai it was deep learning and before deep learning we do machine learning so this big trend of of using more and more computer power to have more and more more and more smarter outcome of, of your of your data uh, is enabled in part because of the flexibility in, in resource in available resources like the cloud like like uh, software stack which are more easy, which are easier to use etc cetera, etc cetera. so when you bring that that in the context of spark when you're thinking about hey I, I want to do this linear regression which is you know, the basic machine learning example that everybody does. It's just seen as, as a normal transformation, as a normal data as a normal data transformation. So if you remember what I said before about just the ingestion process, then the transformations and the outcome of your of your data, well, ML is is one of this the of this data transformation steps. So so that's that's also why uh, Spark is is making it a lot easier. To, to, to do all those things. And the concept of, of data frame being rather easy to understand is exactly going to be the same as a data engineer level or the data scientist level. And they can actually use the more, you know, transparently the work of one another uh, in the same project or in the same dynamic or, or data pipeline. So, so, so that, that, that's, I think, uh, another, you know, another strong point of, of Spark is once you understood this, this concept of data frame, which is basically data storage with an API on top of it. Uh, and when you're familiar with this API, whether you're a data engineer or a data scientist will, will solve, will, you know, your, your job will make, will be easier then you've got the specific transformation which are machine learning transformation but they are not you know they are just transformation so so you build your model you you reuse your model you manipulate the test data etc cetera, etc cetera, but you've got a consistent environment where you can do all of that at the same at, at the same time and companies like a um, so you can you can do that by downloading Spark and, and playing with it on your computer, but you can also use the, uh, Spark uh, in hosted environment in companies like uh, uh, Databricks, IBM, uh, Microsoft with Databricks um, will will you know enable you to do that in their in their own cloud. So so you've got this real ease of use for for both. I would say traditional data engineering and, and for the data scientists as well. Yeah, that's good. I w I'll probably conclude on that collaboration theme um, because as, as you explained, it's the key takeaways, I guess, so far from, from our discussion would be that one, it allows you to, let's call it, 
normalize or make sense of the data in a consistent way that can be used and interpreted by different people in a consistent way with also facilitates the collaboration process, specifically around the, the data science resources and data scientists are both hard to come by, they're also expensive. So having a platform that facilitates collaboration is also key. Uh, we also discuss about the, the ability of processing data, both in real time, as well as in, in batch in a, in a single place. Uh, we had also mentions of the different interfaces that are available for development. And it sounds like overall is definitely a, a good way to approach uh, data analysis at scale. Um, so I, I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Uh, and, and before we, we go away, uh, we, we ask if you have something to share uh, with the audience, uh, this is your time to do that. Okay, so, so the, book, the book is just out of, uh, out of, out of print so uh, it's been it's been a three-year effort really doesn't mean that it's outdated you know you, when you start a book like that you've got to come back to all the technologies and actually the book was kind of almost ready by by christmas but we wanted to be ready for spark 3 uh so that's why we delayed a little bit and make sure that everything everything was was working and everything there was no new concept being introduced that with spark 3 that would break the book and make sure that even and actually even updated some of the uh, regarding Spark 3.0, so it's really an up-to-date book, uh, but it's been a long, it's been, um, it's it's been it's been a lot of hours, and um, it's it's when you, when you when you when you look at the money you're going to make out of a book and the number of hours you, you spend, you you know it's 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 not really worth it financially speaking. But anyway, so you've got I've got this this work regime where I started working on something. So so I continue doing things like that, just spending spending. I, I love I love sharing knowledge. So I started a I started a video blog called Data Friday. You will you will find more information on, on my on my blog at uh, jgp.net slash data Friday. But basically, I'm taking a data problem or people send me data problems and we are solving them. I'm solving them for them uh, or I'm going through the example of the books or I'm explaining concept regarding data. So that's that's a bit my new baby and um, it's every Friday. It's hopefully it's going to be live at some point, but I've not past this this thing but the recording is available usually in the afternoon of friday i start at 8, 8 a.m eastern so before i work and then the recording is available usually just after my lunch break or so 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 that's 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 a new project uh and uh yeah it's it's actually a pretty exciting project as long as i can keep doing it yeah, and, and actually you were generous enough to, to give us a, a few copies of the book, uh, electronic copies, and uh, I'm very excited to continue. I saw your, your first episode actually earlier today of your Data Fridays uh, uh, video, and I'm always a fan of any project that forces me to do projects over the weekend. Uh, so definitely check that out. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to staying in touch with you. Thanks. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much. That's it for the show today. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe.